All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Here's Johnny. Vanity. Definitely my favorite set. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. The power of Christ compels you! This is my boomstick! What's your favorite scary movie? What's up, whoreheads, and welcome to Shiver, a horror movie podcast. We are your hosts, I'm Daniel Devona. And I'm David Uyua. And we've been gone for a little bit. We took ourselves some time for Christmas. We were fresh. Dave, how were the holidays? Uh, they were okay. Um, <laughs> okay, mixed bag over there. Mixed bag. Started great, ended up not so great, and I'm okay now. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear it. We, we, we stay busy over here. It's funny, like you, we're, you know, we're, we're both teachers. You look so forward to those two weeks off. But you're always planning like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this during the break and I'm going to do that. And then it ends up being one of those things where it's like, well, damn, I just stayed so busy during the break now because I had so much. I was, there was so many things I put off towards it. Thankfully, I like I front loaded my break with all the, you know, the, the items on the honeydew list. And so I got done just about everything I had to get done. Um, but then that meant that my like relaxing time was eaten up by me being sick. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that uh, really I mean, technically, yeah, I did lay back, but, um, but it was like kicking it in bed when I wasn't kicking it on the toilet. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, we're back Seven now. Poisoning, boys. Don't yeah. But we're back now and we're going to, we've, we, we thought about this one for a little bit. The initial idea was the episode that we're doing today, which is we're doing the thing. Kurt Russell classic from 19 or John Carpenter classic starring Kurt Russell from 1982. And that originally I was like, yeah, we got to do the thing when it gets cold. Right. Granted, we're in the middle of a of a Indian summer here in uh, in Alabama. Our high today was 71. So uh, wow, not quite it was cold. colder here in Miami than it was there. <laughs> We've got a cold snap coming after some rain. But, yeah, we hit 71 today. But so nice. we wanted to do the thing. And that was the initial idea. So we plugged that in. And then Dave hit me with something that I'd never heard before. And that is that the thing is part of a series of movies called the Apocalypse Trilogy. So what we're going to do is we're going to finish up January by going through the Apocalypse Trilogy. So I'm going to start off with you, Dave. And uh, just tell the people, what is the Apocalypse Trilogy? So the Apocalypse Trilogy is not a, um, it's not a story. So it's not like uh, like saying the uh, the Star Wars trilogy where there's a, a clear beginning, middle, and end. Um, right. It is a thematic trilogy, uh, and so the the phrase "apocalypse trilogy" was coined by John Carpenter himself after he had completed what would then be the third film in the trilogy. Uh, so it includes the Thing. The second installment is Prince of Darkness. And the final installment is In the Mouth of Madness. And um, they are totally unrelated. Um, in fact, um, John Carpenter is the only thing that they have in common. <laughs> right. Um, however, thematically, they are very, very similar. They all explore like end of world scenarios. Uh, what happens when we have no hope? What happens when... 
Um, it seems like it is over. How do we handle that? What do we do? Right. And what does it mean for the world? So uh, each movie explores a different end of world scenario. The thing is obviously the most iconic out of all of them. Right. Um, you know, mixed reception when it first came out. And uh, I think very quickly developed a cult following, which then turned into like a mass appeal. Uh, this is one of the most popular sci-fi movies. It is one of the most popular horror movies. Um, it, it, there's very few people, I think, that have not seen the thing and even fewer that have not heard of it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like uh, this movie is one that I've seen a ton of times and look i'm not i'm not gonna bury the lead on this 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 podcast is gonna be us gushing about the thing i'm i'm yeah. confident in that uh this <laughs> is a movie that that i've that i've seen a ton of times been a little while since i've seen it when i rewatched it last night and so i i went into it with not just the mindset of watching the thing i went into it with the mindset of like okay this is like yeah one doomsday scenario of three that we're going to be that we're going to be approaching over the next couple of weeks. So I kept trying, I, I kept that in mind as like this being the first drop in what would eventually be the end of the world. And so, I mean, obviously they don't, you know, they, they tell you in the movie, like this could be the end of the world, you know, uh, right. Wilford Brimley runs a little computer simulation. It's like the world will end. Um, but I, I, I didn't let that slip from my mind. And I was just constantly <laughs> thinking about that. And, when you approach this movie that way, when you're thinking about it as this apocalypse type thing, that's where so much of the horror and the terror of this movie set in. That's yeah. what's so great about this, the presentation of this movie. It, it's amazing because this is a movie that is very very scary but very very scary in a different way from most of the things we've done on this show before this movie is not rife with jump scares uh no. there's a couple and they're dope um mm -hmm. but it's it's a, it's a, it's a thinking man's horror movie right like you're you're constantly mm -hmm. trying to figure out who's the thing or what's the thing and and what does this mean for the world and how are they going to stop it and and all of those things just build the tent. There's not a single relaxing moment in this movie. No, this is one of the most tense movies I think that have ever been made. Yeah. And so, and, and like I said, just always in the back of my mind this time around, I was like, yeah, this is, this is one of his visions for how the world ends. And man, when you go into it like that, this movie is it was all it, it's already incredible but now it's next level because it's it's easy to predict the end of the world right every every everybody who claims to have been a prophet has done it at some point ever since the invention of the nuclear bomb that's pretty much what they all say right it's l ron hubbard's even like oh yeah thermonuclear war is gonna end it all it, everybody says that that's that's the easy way out this is one of the most unique and fascinating ways I've ever seen someone present as the beginning of an end of world scenario and keeping that fresh as I watched it made this a brand new experience for me. And what what's really interesting about that is that as really modern as the movie is, because it doesn't feel dated at all. No. Um, 
thankfully that like really isolated scenario helps keep things in like a timeless area where yeah like, it's um like it could very well be today with the exception that um like some of the technology would be out of date right um, like they would still have to communicate with like sh shortwave radio right like that that's that's how you communicate uh, and it would still be have... affected by storms and things like that A exactly um so uh things things like wi-fi like i i don't i i don't know how effective it is in uh in the arctic Right. I, I just, don't look. Um, I just barely know how Internet works anyway. Right. Like I get how it works when it's, it's on my phone. Yeah. But like the actual Internet that's in the air, that that shit's magic. I don't I don't yeah. I don't claim to understand what 5G even means, except for it's better now. That they built a tower a mile and a half from my house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean, I, I, I have to get better 5G now that I've got uh, a couple rounds of the uh, uh, of, of of the, you know, the shot at me. Right. Exactly. I have to right uh it's an uh, imperative uh, at this point yeah yeah uh so I, I am internet <laughs> i am the internet now. uh i am the walrus cuckoo kachu um so uh, the the really interesting thing i think is that as timeless as it feels the movie itself is kind of a throwback to those 1950s style um like political thrillers right that are like uh masquerading as um, like sci-fi horror movies. Uh, so movies like, um, uh, shit, the, the pod one, Nature. uh, oh, uh invasion of the body. Snatch no invasion of the body. Snatchers. Oh, Thank body you. Okay. Yeah. How the fuck did I forget that things like invasion of the body snatchers, um, like the thing from another world, right? Yeah. These are, these are movies that had a lot to say about the times. And that's what was really scary. Like, yes. sure, the scenario that they were dropping you in was scary. Um, but this movie really is just a more faithful adaptation of the original short story that The Thing from Another World was based on. They didn't uh, have the technology. Yeah, who goes there? That's it. Yeah. Um, it's They didn't have the technology to do The Thing the way that Carpenter did. Because it right. was made in 1951 or 53 or whatever it was um so it was a plant-based humanoid that's but that's really the only difference the core concept is the same yeah and and to, to me that's what really makes a great story when you can watch it in the 50s when you can watch it in the 70s when you can watch it in the 90s when you can watch it today and still say damn that's a good story you yeah, know, there, I there's think, a reason there's a reason why movies like Casablanca still top the you know greatest of all time list. And it's because it's a timeless story. There's a there's there's something here that's really scary that speaks to people. And 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 I think that it's it's primal. Yeah, I mean, this, you know, it, it's it's funny for as much as I kept saying, like, I'm keeping it in the front of my mind that this is the beginning of like a trilogy there's even even if nothing else had ever come from this it wouldn't take away from what this movie was right like you said it's a thematic trilogy but mm -hmm. every movie stands on its own completely well right. so it's it's awesome to be able to watch this and say and be like oh okay so this is like this is one of three but also yeah it's its own movie this movie has mm -hmm. its own beginning middle end 
kind of has an yeah. end, right? Like it, it, you know, it's got something there. But and uh, question and so, mark. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. question mark exactly. But it definitely does stand alone as this as this horror story that that is one and of itself. They have gone on. I I, I did know they did a prequel to it, which is also just called The Thing. It came out in 2011. Yeah. And it's about the, yeah, I haven't either. It's about the Norwegian base that Mm -hmm. the thing escaped from, as you learn when you watch this one. But I didn't realize until I was reading about this afterwards that there was the one that came out in the 50s. And Mm -hmm. what's, what's interesting, as I read more, essentially all three movies are the same thing. Even the one that's a prequel is essentially the same exact thing because it's just here's how the thing got over on a bunch of Norwegians. And yeah. that's and that's why people didn't like it. They're like, if you're gonna do the thing, just you know, watch the thing. Like it, it was yeah, but so but that's how good this is. Three times it's been made now, and none of the times did anybody feel the need to change they changed the setting for one of them, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And it's just that shows how powerful this story is. And so as yeah. we're talking about the story in a section that we're going to call. And then there were two. (laughs) This story utilizes just a small group of characters, a very small setting, very, very small setting. And yet still manages to tell this amazingly compelling story full of themes. I mean, that, that really boil down to trust and paranoia, but Mm -hmm. 41 years after release, do you watch this and still get the same creeps and tension that you did when you saw it back for the first time? Absolutely, I still do. Um, I think that this is one of the scariest movies ever made. And I I think a lot of it has to go back to the idea that um, the core concept of this, uh, something that can mimic us, that can take us over, uh, which is a, a concept that's been kind of beat to death and it was beat to death at the time that the thing was released in 82. Um, that's terrifying yes. that you are not you. And one of the things that they never make certain is whether the person that has been taken over knows they've been taken over right? Uh, until, until there's like a fight or flight scenario. Yeah. Um, and, and to me, that's like what is maybe the scariest thing, um, because then like, can I trust you? And and and, and also like what what's your end game? Are yes. you are you a scout who's here like to 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 see if this is a viable planet for your people? Are you here for world domination? Like, are yeah. do you simply want to like conquer? Uh, if so, why are you only one? You know, yeah, and um, and and if you are here to conquer and you're only one, like how fucking powerful is your species, right? So yeah, uh, also then you've got the idea of the monster, the fact that it can function independent of its own cells. That's so crazy. This, like that is that's the part, right? That's the thing yeah. where it's it's just like okay, yeah, it it mimics other things, but one of the things that's that's oddly unexplained yet that makes it more terrifying about that. This movie is yeah. That idea of like, so when it mimics something or takes it over, like what happens to the one that was there before, right? Like the one that that is now mimicking the other one, like it does it, you know, because when it seems to mimic these people, we never see these people's bodies turn up 
and then see mm-hmm. them somewhere else, right? So it I, doesn't it, it, like that part is so unexplained and so weird, but makes it so much scarier. So I think there's an implication because when uh, Professor Brimley is um, running the the like scenario on the right. computer, right? Um, it shows the cell attacking another cell, assuming the cell, and then going about its business. So right. I think that there's like a total disintegration of the other. And okay. All, all of its information, physical, um, metaphysical, all of it is assumed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. That, because that makes it, sense. It, 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 because it has the ability to mimic perfectly it's not just uh, a, a physical mimicking it's memories it's uh it's voice um yeah you know, and, and granted like you know you can control voice by you know it, it's a physical thing you know my voice is always going to sound like this because of how tight my vocal cords are pulled because of the shape of my throat it's the reason right. why you probably sound somewhat like your dad and i sound somewhat like my dad because we share similar physiques, right? Right. So, um, but how we use our voice, like the the tone of voice, the um, uh, like how you enunciate things like yeah, that. your 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 cadence yeah. of speech, your cadence, yeah, that is totally unique to you, and this thing can mimic that. So it assumes absolutely every single part of you, and leaves nothing. And that's, I think, one of the scariest things is that there is no record of your existence. You are now it. It is you. And you join the multiple other things that it has assumed in its path, that it has consumed in its path. What I don't know is if this thing is like a virus. Right. That when it like does something to you does it do you become part of it or does it become part of you i don't know if that makes sense yeah no and yeah that so, that's like does thing. it does it split right is there right. like um uh what's that called mitosis right um yes. is it mitosis right? is, is, is it, splitting yeah meiosis yeah mitosis. So, one of those right two. so uh it's one of those two things the scientists can come in here and you know rant and rave later uh but is <laughs> is there is there a splitting? oh we're gonna get emails <laughs> uh yeah yeah you, know, you don't remember your you know fourth grade uh biology um and i don't uh <laughs> sorry um i had a really hot science teacher in fourth grade um nice. that's all that's all i remember um I I don't know if there's like a splitting and the thing now is more than what it was before or does it just like stop being the other thing that it was and turn into something else right and then the thing that it was before is no more I think and I think that it does infect and then still exist because mm-hmm. they they always like they'll they'll burn one but then somebody else is like still infected, right? So it doesn't seem right. to just like, uh, like, or when um, I think it's Fuchs is the one who's like sitting there getting choked and the guy freaks out and runs off. 
And then when they come back, he's like out in the snow and the one hand hasn't fully developed yet, but there was still something Mm -hmm. under that sheet uh, there. And then there was still time for other people to become infected. Yeah. It it has to be that it splits because if, if even one drop of blood can work independently of the other, then that means that that drop of blood can then infect the other drops of blood in your system. And then spread that. Yeah, it's got to be. It's almost it's almost like a colony organism, uh, where mm-hmm. because when Kurt Russell has the realization that the dude's head like rips off and becomes its own thing, and it starts to crawl. God, it's so freaky, and it starts to yeah. crawl away. So he has the idea to test everybody's blood because he's like, even your blood will fight because mm-hmm. every bit of you operates independently at that point. So it does seem that it's it's like some sort of virus that just takes over every cell of your body because at the very mm-hmm. beginning when um when dr blair is he he gets into that 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 bizarre thing that they bring back from the norwegian base and he's like all the yeah. organs are normal right like he's like there's there's mm-hmm. intestines and a heart and lungs so it seems to just infect and so i so yeah so it's got to be right that it that it infects you but it can still exist which is why when it's all said and done they 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 kind of come to that realization of look nobody's getting out of here alive we've just got to make sure that it doesn't get out it of here alive either yeah and so i, I mean it, it's got to be kind of that but what's incredible about this movie and the story that it tells is the idea of isolation and mm-hmm. cabin fever and trust, right? I mean, anybody who's ever it's had a central to the movie, right? Anybody who's ever mm-hmm. had a roommate, like, and I, you know, not even an outpost in the middle of nowhere. You've had a roommate. I remember when I went to college, people were always like, "Be careful about like moving in with your friends, right? Because you're you're going to mm-hmm. spend so much time with them. You guys might not be friends anymore." And mm-hmm. I mean, you spend a, that much time with somebody, you eventually just little things they do just start to drive you crazy. And so you're already kind of We've on edge. Heard. Yeah, exactly. Been yeah. there. Um, <laughs> and so you, you've you've got you've already kind of on edge about these people. Plus, you know, it's not like these are people who are lifelong friends. These are people who are obviously just thrown together for whatever this yeah. outpost mission is. And so they're already kind of on each other's nerves. Like you can tell that Keith David and McCready have never gotten a child. Child's is Keith David. Yeah. You can tell that yeah. Childs and McCready have never gotten along. Right. They're just they're mm-hmm. these guys aren't these guys aren't broing out and playing cards in their downtime. And so now that they have a reason to suddenly not trust anybody, it boils over so fast. Yeah. That's that is what I love. Like Kurt Russell goes from okay, let's figure this out. Let's talk to the doc to fuck y'all. I got dynamite. Back off, right? Yeah. Like like that. Yeah, that, that escalates just, really fast. Yes, and they go from ooh, let's listen to McCready to I cut the guide rope. Screw him. He's stuck in the snow. Like all of that yeah. just happens instantaneously. And we, whenever we've done zombie movies, we've always talked about this idea of the true story being about the survivors and their relationships and, mm-hmm. and how they're going to get by. This is the antithesis of that story. This is the ultimate strain to put on those relationships. And you're just watching, you know that all of these things are going to break down. You're just wondering how mm-hmm. long it's going to take 
for all of this mm-hmm. to break down. You're at no point was ever like, oh, I can't wait till they get out of this. And they're all friends again. It was just right. like, well, h- how long until everyone shoots someone? Right. Like, right. Well, you know, very early on because Blair, when he's running a scenario on the computer, it tells him total infection of like world population. in what was it like? 27,000 hours or 270,000 hours. Something like that. It was less than a year. Not a long time. (laughs) Not a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And Uh, so, so, yeah. So it's just the, that, that concept of just never being able to trust anyone. That's where the horror of this sets in. Whereas in the zombie movie, it's about desperately trying to find people you can trust. Hmm. Uh, In the thing, it's about, just you know what no you are trying to survive you can trust no one and that the 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 complete and total societal breakdown in the course of like 36 hours when this storm hits is that is honestly terrifying you know at least in the zombie movie we usually get a five years later and uh, right. and then the world's gone to shit, right? You know, like it, Walking Dead, Rick Grimes wakes up. He's been in a coma for a very long time. And now, mm-hmm. yeah, the world's gone to hell now. But we know that time passed. We're watching this happen in real time, and it happens mm-hmm. frighteningly fast for a complete and total community societal breakdown at this outpost when trust is a non-factor at this point. We no longer trust anyone. Everyone's got guns and knives and scalpels to each other's heads. It's just, it's, it's wild to think about you've been with these people for so long and they're the only thing you've known for however long these people have been on their, on on this, uh, at this outpost. And now suddenly no to hell with them. I'm done with those Mm -hmm. guys. Nobody's trustworthy that's really scary how quickly that escalation comes in. And what, what's really interesting, I think, is that this movie is often um, put alongside Alien. When, yes. Uh, it, particularly when you're talking about like economy of characters, economy of setting. Um, these are movies that maximize the budget that they have, um, which was not inconsiderable. This was the first big budget movie that uh, John Carpenter ever made. Um, And it was still only 15 million. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that wasn't an insignificant sum of money in in 82. Uh, But the one I always go back to, to like put things into perspective is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Raiders was made for $20,000. I'm sorry, $20 million back in 81. So this was made for less money than Raiders. Uh, about five million less than Raiders was a year later. So right around that same time, and the special effects are on par. But yeah. they do that. They do that by bringing the scale down, and instead of saying, "Hey, we're going to fucking Egypt," instead of saying, <laughs> "You know, hey, we're going, we're going here, we're going there." Morocco, um, here we come. Yeah, it's it's not some like James Bond adventure where you're going globe trotting. You're in one place almost the entire time and you've got your core group of, of, of characters and that's it. What's really interesting to me is that those two movies, Alien and The Thing, pretty much work exactly the same way. You're up against some unbelievable monster that there is no way that you're going to beat. Right. 
the odds are against you. But it's how that group of people works together. Because an alien, they are broken up at the beginning. Right? You've yes. got like the blue collar workers who are like, ah, fuck the man. And then you've got the people up top who are like, hey, we got to do this for the company. Right. And then they come together. In this one, they're all like, hey, we got to figure shit out. I'm not flying that thing unless I have to. No, don't worry. You don't have to fly if you don't feel comfortable. And then later, it's like, fuck McCready. And, <laughs> um, and, and fuck you. Right? You're cool, but fuck you. And, 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 and they get there really fast. And I think that that's a really interesting dichotomy. If you look at these two movies as like two sides of the same coin, you get a really interesting look at the human psyche and what that does for survival. Because um, as soon as there's a breakdown in the, uh, in the team effort in Alien, right? shit goes haywire, right? That's, that, that's, when, uh, that's when they start dying. Yeah. And, and here, the same thing happens. I mean, if they had worked together as a team instead of against each other, more than likely they would have figured out who the thing was much more quickly. Yes. And, I, and, dude, and I, in I the agree. end, it, in the end, we still don't know if either uh, Keith David or Kurt Russell was the thing. And if one of them was, who was it? Yeah. We have, yeah, we have mean, no way of knowing. Yeah, it's it's. And, and like like we said at the very beginning, you know, it's it's a the end with the question mark, which is mm -hmm. which is great, especially because this is presented as like like we said, the first drop in an end of world scenario. So, mm -hmm. you know, and we know that the thing can survive frozen for a very long time because they say ten thousand right. years or a hundred thousand years. They think it's been in that mm -hmm. ice that the Norwegians dug it out of, and yeah. they're just well, let's just sit here for a minute and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Roll credits, and it's like well. Shit, is the world gonna end? <laughs> so how, how how do you think it ends? I think that I do think that that Childs and McCready at the end were both actually Childs and McCready, but mm. I think it's I think it's a safe assumption that the thing survived that explosion. I mean, it was mm. under the base, like in the ice, when he set off all that dynamite and. I don't, it didn't seem to have any problem burrowing quickly to get down into all of that. So mm -hmm. I think that it ends, I think that they end up dying of exposure and eventually they maybe, they, they clean up the site. And I think the thing just kind of ends up stuck there in the ice again for a while. You know, I, yeah. I think that, that it's, it's still out there just waiting for its moment when it realized that, that this wasn't its time. Well, you know, I've I've been here a hundred thousand already. What have I got to lose? You know, I'm let's yeah. just try again later. So I I do think that Childs and McCready at the end were actually Childs and McCready though. Hmm. I I uh, I waver back and forth. Uh, I do think that one of them is the thing. Okay. Uh, if you ask me on one day, I'll tell you that it's McCready. That the the ripped up clothes that they find in his uh, in his bungalow is his. Right. Um, some days I'll tell you that I think it's Childs. That um, the whole reason why he abandoned his post uh, at you know in the third act is because he was the thing. Um, yeah. The only reason why I'm not 
a hundred percent certain that they're both the thing <laughs> is because <laughs> they would have been able to recognize each other. Or so I think we like to think, right? I don't know because I, I the ultimate ending to me is that they're both the thing and they don't trust each other. <laughs> and, and, and it's I like, like that. It's like, ah, it's you. No, it's you. It's you. You're human. Ah, we'll figure it out. And then they both fucking freeze. And because they're, <laughs> you know, they're in human form. They just fucking. Yeah. Die. Because, you know, when you say it that way, one thing that does make a lot of sense is even if they are both the thing. And so they both know that they can survive and they do kind of recognize why wouldn't they just want to sit there and, and freeze? Because then if they're above the ice, when eventually someone does come to find them, it's going to be real easy to find the two of them. Mm -hmm. And then you, and once you bring them up and thaw them, you know, all hell's breaking loose somewhere else now. So, yeah. oh man. Yeah. Like if they were both the thing, maybe that's why suddenly they're friendly with each other again. Right. Because maybe when they come to that realization of let's just sit here and see what happens. It's like, well, what's going to happen is we're both going to freeze and, and just get put in cold storage until someone finds us. But if we're up here, it's going to be easier yeah. to find us. So, oh, damn. That's, now that's, I don't know. That's what I think the ultimate ending is. Right. Uh, like like if, if I was doing a sequel, it would pick up like six months later when when the when the relief team comes in and uh, they see them there in the ice. You know, they put them in body bags the same way they do everything else, right? And uh, the the moment they get them in the morgue, they start to thaw. Yeah. And then that's when, you know, it, wherever it is, I guess it would be in, like, Alaska, right? Um, the, Antarctica or Alaska or something. You know, it, where the next American base would be. Right. You know? I, I would think. Um, so, uh, wait, is it in the Arctic or Antarctica? I thought it was in the ant. For some reason, I had it in my head that it was in the Antarctic. Um, yeah, oh. in Antarctica, it is the Antarctic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So th then, it, then it would be, you know, I don't know, like Guam or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I that's that's how I would do it, you know. And then it just fucking takes over that base, and then um, like what you can do with like CGI these days. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know. Uh, a sequel to the thing needs to rely on CGI, uh, but you can do things that you just can't do with practical effects. Right. And, and, and that I, you can make it take over the world, man. Oh, finally so get to see that. That, that would be yeah. fucking dope. Yeah. That um, really would be. Yeah. Um, so uh, now that we're talking big, right, let's go back a little, right? Because okay. there's our cast outpost 31, right? Um, we're talking about economy of characters. Like we've got just a handful of, of actors here to really bring this movie in to tie it together. Is there anyone that stands out for you as either particularly good, particularly bad? Um, I don't think there's anyone that I would say is bad, um, but maybe you, maybe you have some opinions. So uh, look, I'm going to go ahead and, and take the big one since I get this one first, right? I, I've said it a hundred times before. I texted it to you last night and I'm going to say it right now. Kurt Russell has always been, will always be Stone Cold Fox. Oh, I yeah. mean, like Kurt, Kurt Russell, dude, like the more, the more I go back and watch Kurt Russell movies and this, and it usually happens around December because I watched that Christmas Chronicles movie and then I get the itch for Kurt. That Russell. is really good. 
and it is really good. He's a great yeah. Santa. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it, it always happens in the winter. And then I'm like, oh, my God, I want to watch Kurt Russell movies. The Every year when I go back and I binge watch Kurt Russell movies, I love this guy more and more and more. And he's mm-hmm. not – He's not. Uh, he's he's done a lot since. In the eighties, he was not a horribly dynamic guy, but mm-hmm. he knew exactly what he brought to a role, and you see that in McCready, but with more depth to McCready than you got out of you know a, a snake or something like that, right. right? There, there's there's a lot. There's obviously a very broken man in McCready. He has his own shack. He doesn't even stay with everyone else. He is the odd man out and embraces that, does nothing to to fight against it. He's a dude who is, he knows, I'm here to be the helicopter pilot. I live over there. I drink J&B Rare. That's my story. <laughs> like, that's all yeah. you guys need to know about me, and I'm good. And yet, everyone has a ridiculous amount of trust in him. When he's the one who shows, who calls for the flamethrower, when the when the 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 dog thing freaks out, they immediately flamethrower. Here you go, McCready, do your damn thing. What? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) This dude's the helicopter pilot. He's not the guy in charge. He's not your sergeant at arms. He's your pilot. But when he's Mm -hmm. the one who pulls the fire alarm and says flamethrower, they jump because Kurt Russell as a guy just demands that respect. And that comes through so much in every role he plays. And then damn it, when they decide to not respect him in this movie, he takes it into his own hands and he makes literally. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) You know, and and like, I will, I will tie you all up and hold dynamite. What are you going to do about (laughs) it? And what do they do? (laughs) Nothing. The one guy who tries to do something gets shot in the forehead. Yeah. It's it. And, the thing is, but he's also like cocksure enough that he wears the dumbest hat ever when he's flying. It really is a stupid fucking hat. And it looks cool as hell on Kurt Russell, yeah. right? Like, like, <laughs> I like, can't wear that hat. Yeah. I, I bang Goldie Hawn wearing this hat. <laughs> like that. <laughs> right? Like that's whatever. Yeah, do it, Kurt. Like I like to think that he just showed up on set one day and John Carpenter was like, yo, what the fuck's that? He's like, it's my hat. He's like, all right. Okay. <laughs> then that was that was the whole conversation because um, snake pliskin says so <laughs> yeah exactly he's just he the 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 fucking the the balls the gravitas that kurt mm-hmm. russell brings to that role of mccready is untouchable it's just so good as many times as i've seen this movie and as much as i was like i'm gonna talk about this guy and that guy no man, it's he he steals the show. It's it is it is the Kurt Russell show for an hour and forty two minutes, and I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. The the thing with Kurt Russell, which I I don't think people give him enough credit for, is that no matter what you're in the mood to watch, there's a Kurt Russell movie for it. Correct. He's like he's, a Hallmark card. Yeah, it's he's one of these guys where, um, I mean, he's been working since like the fifties. Right. Right. Because he, he did a lot of those like Disney comedies in uh, in the 50s, those live action ones um, or the 60s. Sorry. And uh, so, like, you want a comedy? You can watch some of those early Disney stuff. Um, if you want like a newer comedy, I guess, like go to fucking Overboard, 
go to used cars. Captain um, Ron. You, Cap, yeah, Captain Ron, dude. Uh, you want Captain you want uh, you want action. You've got Escape from New York. You've got Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, you've got Tango and Cash, one of the best worst movies oh, of all fucking time. Yes, right, absolutely. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, you want uh, you want fucking you want Western. Um, Go Tombstone. Western, Tombstone. Um, uh, fucking uh, Bone Tomahawk. Right. Uh, yeah. You want um, you want thrillers fucking death proof you got fucking vanilla sky you've got fucking executive decision uh the hateful eight i mean and yeah. there you go with another western again i mean this guy whatever the fuck you want to watch you can watch a kurt yeah. russell movie yeah. i'm in the family for movies. comedy here yeah. you go family, family movies, movies too sky high yeah. Chris, the christmas chronicles yeah does, christmas does it movies all, man. man yeah <laughs> every single every single time you want to watch a movie you can put on a kurt russell movie and you're you're fine because it's going to be yeah. good because Kurt Russell's in it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, man. Yeah, so um, I, I'm not going to add anything else about his performance in the movie because, like, you just fucking nailed it. I mean, he's he's the he's the man. Um, there's there's two guys that I'm just going to touch upon. Um, one is Wilford Brimley as uh, <laughs> as as uh, Blaine Blair Blair um, Blair. Yeah. Um, fuck, man, he is so damn good. And um, I, I know that it's really easy to think of Wilford Brimley as the diabetes guy, the right? diabetes uh, guy, <laughs> because because we we all grew up with those commercials while we were watching uh, The Price Is Right when we were homesick, right? Um, but he really is a great actor, and he does a fantastic job of selling this guy who knows too much. Yeah. That's 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 really his downfall is that he simply knows too much and you can mark the point when he becomes the thing because he goes from stark raving mad to I'm all better now. Yeah. To and I would like to come back inside. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's and it's scary. It's really scary. He does a really good yes. job of showing the the duality of that character of the man Blair and of the thing Blair. It's it's really awesome. Um, there's more to him than just the diabetes commercials and cocoon. You know, right. and well, um, what's 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 hilarious is he was almost fifty when he made this, and yet because the Wilford Brimley that we have in our head is the Quaker Oats diabetes right. like, like <laughs> cocoon guy, you watch this, you're like, what is that young Wilford Brimley? And then you go look it up, it's like this man yeah. was forty eight no, when not. he made this movie. <laughs> He, he just shaved. Yeah, but <laughs> that's but all that, that happened. Voice, but that voice, man, it's undeniable. Like if if yeah. you if you if you didn't know Wilford Brimley was in it and you saw it and he didn't as soon as he talks, you're like, holy shit, that's Wilford Brimley, man. It's that voice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and then the other the other actor is Keith David. I mean, any time Keith David is on screen, the rest of the cast just stops, and it becomes the Keith David show. Yep. What's really interesting is when you have these like two great magnanimous dudes like Kurt Russell and Keith David opposite each other, like what happens? And neither stops pulling the gravity. Towards oh, yeah, them. dude, so that, that is just, that one is two bulls in the ring, man. Every time yeah. they're toe to toe, it's like it, we're just going to beat each other till somebody falls unconscious. And I'm, I'm not saying that he has that uh, bravado. Um, but 
another John Carpenter movie, They Live, you know, the way that he and Rowdy Roddy Piper play off each other to me reminds me a lot of The Thing the way that he and yeah. Kurt Russell play off each other. And I, I think that maybe John Carpenter was trying to recreate that in They Live. Uh, I don't know if he wanted uh, Kurt Russell to come back and work with him again. I don't know if he couldn't. Um, I have no idea. But to me, th- there's like this really archetypal um, like rivalry, yet we're stronger when we work together attitude that's that's happening with, with these two. And um like childs is i don't know if he's respected but he's feared uh yes. it, the 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 way that you spoke about mccready and the way that guys uh like immediately jump to whatever it is that he says i think it's because there's a respect there um until he loses it and then they're just like hey whatever you say man uh um, right. with with childs there's a comment that's made early where um uh, shit, what's his name? Um, Palmer. Palmer says, hey, why, why doesn't Childs take the keys? And McCready says something like, I think it should be someone a little more level-headed. A little more level-headed, yeah. And no one bats an eye. Even Childs is like, yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you don't want me having a key to the fucking armory, you know? <laughs> um, and and, and it, it's just kind of like, yeah, that is what it is. Um, people are afraid of that guy. And, and there's there's like a steely resolve in him. Um, watching this movie more than once, I go back to um, that scene where he and uh, and Palmer are in their room together, and they're watching. I don't know if it's um, The Price Is Right or you know wh- wh- whatever game show. Uh, it is I, that they're I, I think it's um, Let's Make a Deal because there's like let's doors make a deal. one, two, and three. Yeah. yeah. It is. Let's make a deal. Um, and he just comes over and he turns it off. He says, I know how this one ends. And he puts on another one. And Childs is like unfazed. And I always wonder, like, is he about to knock him on his ass? <laughs> or does, does is he just so cool? He doesn't give a fuck about anything. Right. And then that's when Palmer lights up and he gives it to him. And I'm like, that's what it is. There it is. Yeah, he's I there, mean, there it, it is. And Keith David, man, he's another one. Like I was saying with Wilford Brimley, man, that voice, like that—that that yeah. voice is just that voice is just undeniable. Like him as the president in Rick and Morty. I don't know if you watch Rick and Morty, but he yes. voices the president, and he's and he's, he's so, so good. good. And like it's it's so funny to hear him be like just so insane on that mm-hmm. show because it's like that that voice is it's it's his voice is calming and soothing, but also just commanding and so to hear mm-hmm. him just be batshit bonkers in in rick and morty is is always hilarious but he's just yeah man he's a guy where it's like again even if you're like what do i recognize this guy from as soon as he talks you're like oh okay yeah oh, yeah it's Goli- yeah it's uh, it's goliath from gargoyles right or just one of the other yeah. <laughs> tons of things that he's voice um, um, spawn did any voice spawn in the uh he did in the in animated the show, the hbo yeah. show yeah yeah yeah, I mean, it, you have seen Keith David, even if you're yeah. not certain if you have. You have. I mean, Platoon, uh, Armageddon, uh, you know, for as good, bad as it is. Um, Barbershop, uh, <laughs> Pitch Black, there you go, to keep it horror, right? Yeah, um, he did Nope. He was in Nope uh, last was, year. That's right, he was in Nope, yeah, and Nope was fucking incredible. 
Yes. Um, I, I mean, he he is he's a guy like his body of work is really great. Yes. Really. Yeah. Great. I mean, the, the, it's it's just it's so gr- one of the other things is for all the people that we're not going to mention all of those other actors in this movie who are people who you see them, maybe you recognize them, maybe you don't. Some of them kind of went mm-hmm. on to do this, that and the other, but nothing massive. But as much as these, as as much as David Brimley and, and Russell just steal the show, those other guys all play their part perfectly. And mm-hmm. so for because there seemed to be this understanding that look, there's 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 twelve of y'all, right? That's it, you know, counting the dog and the guy in the helicopter at the beginning, <laughs> right? Like like you guys everybody's got to know what they're here for. And if you had had any more than those three guys go in head to head for, for, for scene time and for cool lines and stuff, you know, it, it could have been a mess, but those other guys very much understood their characters and who they needed to be in that moment and their ability to react and pull back to those other things helped make those guys look even cooler, right? Mm-hmm. So on top of the fact that we're talking about just them as people carry all this weight and all this ability to move mountains with what they're doing, everybody else's ability to acknowledge that and kind of stay in their lane and, and, and support, right? Every, 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 everybody, everybody wants to be Leonardo, Right, but you, you need some Donatellos, you know. He's, he's yeah. somebody. Somebody's got to be there to help him out, and and that's what these guys understood. It's like you know what? No, like I'm the guy who takes care of the dogs. Like that's that's my mindset. Yeah. I, you know, it's well, like and, right, and, and, right and the thing is, like every one of those guys gets their moment. Mm-hmm. They all get they they all get their moment because, um, um, shit. Let me go back to the the cast list here. But they all have like really great deaths they all have like (laughs) awesome transformation scenes they have these incredible like iconic unforgettable moments where it's like yeah i'm I'm never gonna forget you dude like you you are that guy you know so um like palmer fucking freaking out on the on, on the bench you know, and, and turning into like the the fucking plant monster. Oh that yeah, fucking to- totally consumes window. Like, fuck, what a great death, man! Oh, you know, so like good. the way yeah. that he just so violently whips him around the room. Like, even if he hadn't died, his spine would have been broken in so many different places from so violently being thrashed around. Oh my god, I hope I die. Like I don't want, <laughs> I don't want to live yeah. after that. You yeah, know? no. Like if yeah, if, if if I'm getting cast for the thing, I'm like, I just look honest to God. I just want to be somebody who is the thing at some point. Like I want my sizzle right. reel for the rest of my life to have that transformation scene in it. Like that. That's where I am. So like like, like Norris, you know, like yeah. Norris's transformation. Like that's and, and we're 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 getting into you know uh, uh, another area here. Yeah, uh, and so, so I, I mean, I'll, so I'll, let, let's, I'll let you take us. Yeah, let's get at it. So I mean, and and what this is this is a special effects bonanza, right? This was John Carpenter's biggest budget at the time. So when you're watching this now, it like like we've said, 41 years later, we're 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 well into special effects have 
gone light years beyond what John Carpenter had his hands on in this. Does it hold up? And, and what's your favorite? Um, it certainly holds up. Um, I think that there's there's no effect here where I'm like, eh, it could be done better. Right. There's like not not even like for the time. There's no effect that I think, oh, well, they probably could have done this better. Like, you know, maybe if Stan Winston had handled it, it might have been a little better, you know, or maybe if Tom Savini had handled it, it might have been better. Uh, like, I think that it's flawless for the time. and I think that it's flawless today. I don't think okay. there's any way that you can improve any of these effects. There's no amount of computer graphics that you can slap on this thing that is going to make it look better. Um, right. and I most definitely have a favorite and it's Norris, uh, <laughs> Norris's Norris's transformation when he's dead and on the table and, uh, uh, the fucking doctor just takes his hands and he puts the defibrillator to him and gets his arms just chomped off. Oh, my god every time i go oh and i'm yes. smiling and i'm cringing and every every muscle in my body is pulled tight and then as the head is just like sliding off it's like how is this fucking happening i don't know <laughs> i know that this isn't the first body horror movie ever because i guess you can kind of make the um uh, the claim that Frankenstein is the first body horror. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, and, and Cronenberg had definitely made uh rabbit before this. Uh, I think he had made a uh, shiver before this I as think well. Shiver was before this, so, yeah. um, uh, which is not where we get our name from, but you know, it's nice that, uh, that there is that connection there. Um, and Cronenberg is the master of body horror. And we will eventually get to some of Cronenberg's stuff. Uh, but, I think that this was the movie that kind of bumped it up to another level because everything that Cronenberg had been doing at that time was really low budget and hadn't really been given the, um, the money that he needed to do what he wanted. By the time he gets the, the funding to do the fly and to do video drone, like that's, that's when he's like firing on all cylinders. Right. But this movie is Carpenter firing on all cylinders. And he's taking all this stuff that's starting to emerge in this body horror genre, and he's like, yeah, let's fucking do it. Like, let's yeah. let, let's just go balls to the wall, and let's make you afraid of your body. Let's make you afraid of what can happen to your body. And and I, I don't think that any transformation for me quite gets to me the way Norris's does. Dude, the... We will always, for as long as we are doing Shiver, I think we will always go back to this concept of good practical effects will always mm -hmm. stand up. You know, CGI evolves so fast that you don't have to go back very far to find CGI effects that weren't that great. No. Uh, God, just just last summer, I went back and rewatched all the Harry Potter movies with my kids, and man, that cave troll at the beginning is Oof. rough, right? Very and, rough. and that that's not that old. But dude, mm -hmm. these special effects forty years later, they're they're huge. This uh, special effects coordinator on this was was Rob Botton, and mm -hmm. uh, just just FYI for for the for the listeners, I mean, just a couple of things. 
from this man's amazing filmography that are movies that, that the two of us adore. This is the guy who did special effects for King Kong in 76, Star Wars in 77. Mm. He did the original, he did the fog. He did total recall RoboCop movies seven and recently even did stuff for game of Thrones. I mean, this guy oh, has shit. Been doing it right. Mm -hmm. He has. And it's it's funny because it's a name that that you know we always we we always talk about the the Tom Savini's and the Greg Nicotero's of the world and and we we know those names, but this is a guy you look it up and you're like man people should know this guy's name because yeah. you're right these effects are so wild it's it's so good and not just the motion effects like the mate god you're right though that defibrillator scene like that hole in his chest opens up out of nowhere yeah it's it's <laughs> so crazy how it i've seen this movie so many times and every time i can't remember the exact moment when it's going to happen because there's no precursor to it no there's, there's nothing that's like oh it's about to happen it's just like wait does he shock him twice three times when when does he go in and it happens and then just all of a sudden there's a chasm in Norris's yeah. body full of teeth. Um, but yeah, like I do, I love that. I love that one. I love when the head slides off and it grows the legs. But my favorite, my, my favorite transformation, just death is the very first time you see it. Uh, you see the thing, man, when it's the dog, that, that's a, that's that thing one. just, especially because if it's your first time watching and you have no idea what the thing is really yet. Mm -hmm. And the first glimpse of it you get is this dog's head splitting open like an orange peel and like the skull falling out and that tongue <laughs> flailing around and the, the tentacles come out of everywhere and it starts spewing acid. That one just kept going. There yeah. just kept being more and more parts of that transformation. And they managed to get more gruesome and grotesque every single time. Then it like it sprouts up and it starts to go up towards the ceiling and it's it's got a whole different head up there. And it's just it's I can remember, I think I was 13 or 14, um, because it was right around beginning of high school, was the first time that I saw this movie. And I, I can I can remember just being like, I've never seen anything like this. This yeah. is so far beyond anything I could imagine special effects to be at the time. And mm. so now, you know, 25 years later, I'm watching it. And I'm still going, damn, are there special effects this good happening now? It's yeah. And the thing is, and it's not just because the effects are so good, which they are, down to the, the stationary effects. Just the one thing that they bring back from the Norwegian lab where it's got the, the faces split and it's yeah. kind of like two faces, but it's one big mouth. Just that stationary thing is, is already just the, the stuff of nightmares. But you look at those effects and this is – this is a keystone moment in body horror because from this point forward, anything that transforms has got a touch of the thing in it. Stranger yeah. Things, the Demogorgon is exactly what it looks like when that dog's mm -hmm. face splits open because that is a terrifying effect. This was all so insanely original and creative and every time you think they can't up the ante again, they do it. They just keep coming. 
down to the fact that one of the very last, I guess the very last kill that the thing has is when Brimley just grabs uh, the other dude's face and he shoves his fingers like yeah. up in his skin. And there's this, there's a, there's an angle where you see like two thirds of his fingers are buried in this guy's yeah. face. And it doesn't look like they're buried in a mask of the guy's face. Cause you can still perfectly see everything. It just looks like he is sinking his hand. And then you just kind of barely see where his hand and the guy's face have become one as he drags him off. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's, it's so amazing that we can do this and we can, we can watch something that came out last year and be floored by something new that they came up with. But you can also go back and, and whenever we go back and we do these ones that are 30, 40, 50 years old, you go, man, there are a lot of things that we've talked about or that I like that are use the word homage, use the word ripoff, whichever one you want. But it's so it's always so great to go back and find the primordial ooze of of things that are happening now. And and that's what the thing is, man. It is the thing walked. So every movie for the next 42 years that that was going to do grotesque body mm -hmm. effects could run. And yeah. and it set one hell of a bar for the very first one, too. Yeah. And guys like. Brian Usna, guys like Stuart Gordon would not have been making movies like Reanimator, would not have been making movies like Society if oh it weren't God, for the thing, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, and, and you do have to give Cronenberg credit, but it wasn't on the scale that Carpenter did here. And the really interesting thing is that I don't think he ever did it again. There was right. no other, like, in his body of work, there's no other body horror movie. And yet yeah. in the thing, like that is one of the primary ways that he scares you is with yeah. body horror. Uh, it, yeah. It's it's absolutely incredible. And it, it shows his versatility as, as a, as a director, like it, he can scare you any way you want. There, yeah, there was, there was one other special effect that, that really stood out to me and that wasn't one of the transformations or something. But it's so stunning and startling that it, it just it burns in the back of my retinas every time I watch this movie. And when they get to the Norwegian base and they find the one guy who apparently yeah. decided, I don't know if I'm the thing, so I'm going to kill myself. And so he's got the, the razor blade in his hand and he's got this incredibly deep gash in his neck, which hurts me every time because the the you know the the insulation the, the the idea is that he did this to himself mm -hmm. but there's a moment where they show just how cold it is in antarctica yeah. because they show where he slit his wrist and the blood is frozen solid as it was still dripping from his wrist and it's this again stationary effect that is long lasting for remembering how cool that looked yeah yeah, the, uh, you you can look at this movie and find a special effect shot in almost every scene. Yeah, and and it's and it's a memorable one, which absolutely. which is absolutely incredible. Um, there's only one more area that uh, that I think we should get into before we rate the movie, and it's uh, something that I think we're gonna do for 
every one of the Apocalypse trilogy. And it's a category that I'm calling Apocalypse Ability. I love and, it. And um, so basically what we're doing here is that since every one of the trilogy is a doomsday scenario, is an end of world time scenario. Um, how scary is this apocalypse for you <laughs> personally? Um, and do you think that this is a worst case scenario? Like, can you think of a possible worse apocalypse? So, so of the next three we're going to do next week will actually be the first time that, um, that I've seen Prince of Darkness. So I'm very, oh, I'm very fantastic. excited. Yeah. So I'm very excited to get into that one and have a comparison there. But when, when I'm just, when I'm looking at this man, I think that John Carpenter tapped into something really primal with this end of world scenario, because while it is an alien and it is a monster that's eventually going to get us, the last thing that you're going to remember is that it was your friend that got you right. That's, that's going to be that when, when your life flashes before your eyes, it's because even though the second before it happens, you're going to realize it's not your friend up until the moment when it happened, that was your friend. And that is, that is so scary. I mean, since, since, since there have been people, it has been a human necessity to bond together to survive. Mm -hmm. And so the idea that that, that basic human need is going to be what kills us is, is, is that is, Oh, this, this is, this is well up there, man, right? Like if, if, if tomorrow, if all the nukes go off and, and one of them happens to land around here, at least it's just going to be a bright flash and I'm done, right? right? Like, okay, that yeah, that sucked, but a- at, least, at least that's all there was to it. The idea of this, the thing makes it to a populated area and it starts to spread and word of it starts to get out and suddenly now the rest of your life is not being able to fulfill that one, you know, one of those things that you need to survive, which is human company and, and, and the, 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 the love of other people is that's there, there's, there's something, there's something in that, that, that taps really, really deep into the collective unconscious of things that are going to scare us all. And uh, this this honestly might be the most terrifying end of world scenario that, that I can think of and that I think has been shown to me because there's, there's not a lot you can do if this is the one that were to go down. There's, there's, no, there's no fighting back from this short of just getting in a bunker and shooting everybody who gets close to you which in itself is a horrifying idea unless you're just a psychopath who needs a reason to kill people. <laughs> and so I, I do honestly think that right now this ticks enough boxes to count as worst case scenario apocalypse for me. Um, I, I do think that this is an absolutely terrifying apocalypse. Um, I don't know if something like the thing itself, like some sort of space monster or whatever, is the scariest thing that I can think of. But I can say that on a thematic element, the idea that we stop 
being able to trust each other and stop being able to work with each other is terrifying. And it's right. something that um, if you are uh, one of our numerous American audiences, um, you've kind of seen this in the last couple of years, um, an inability for people to have conversations about real things. Uh, right. We keep things topical. We keep things light. Uh, you know, we talk about movies. We talk about TV shows. But fewer the people that you can have a conversation about really the things that matter. You know, um, we can't talk about um, sex, politics or religion uh, or so we're told because you don't know who you're going to offend. And these days, that's even more true. I've seen that divide in uh, in us grow where uh, now you like. You don't talk to that person. Right. I totally cut you out. And 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 for me, that's a really scary thing that we've come to a point in in society where um, I don't trust you. You're not like me. You're one of the others. Right. And 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 very tribal. It is very tribal. And I don't think that we're anywhere near an apocalypse in there. That's That's not what I'm saying. But I see how scary it is to be a member of society today. Um, because of how you don't know how people will respond to what it is that you have to say. And, and this is on both sides. You know, I, I'm, I'm not talking, you know, that one side is right. One side is wrong. I mean, fuck you all. Right. Right. So that's, that is to me, I think the scariest thing that no matter what it is, whether it's a Terminator style uh, robot apocalypse, whether it's a zombie apocalypse, whether it's uh, it is an alien apocalypse that we cannot work together, that we can't find a way to overcome our differences and band together and be stronger together. I think that this aspect of this apocalypse scenario is the worst case scenario. Yeah. I, and you, because all those others that you mentioned, okay, the robots rise up. Okay. Well, we're, we're human. So we stand up against them, right? Yeah. The, yeah. the zombies come, you're not a zombie. I'm not a zombie. We got to be friends now. You know, and, but yeah, that's that, that this takes away that one thing that makes survival scenarios possible. Mm-hmm. And so it's yeah. just, man. Yeah. Like I can't, uh, yeah, this, this one, yeah, this this one's up there, dude. It 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 mm-hmm. ticks a whole lot of boxes. It uh it's just it's it's a terrifying idea of not knowing what is, you know, uh in the car next to you or sitting across the lunch table from you or just whatever. And yeah. and like I said, we saw we saw a group this small that that yeah, I'm sure they had their differences because they were together all the time, but they had to have helped each other out to survive. They're in Antarctica for God's sakes. They yeah. broke down that fast. How quickly is a society like you were talking about that already has some pretty thick lines in the sand uh, going to break down? Like how how much easier is it going to be to say, ah, yeah, you know, fuck that guy. I, I bet he's a thing anyway. You know that yeah. now now you just got exactly now you've just got a, a, another reason. Except for the idea of his existence could possibly be threatening your life now, which is which is brand new for for a lot of people. 
is just this idea that that uh, well I, I i thought he was a thing what, what could i do you know yeah. and god man it's 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 scary it's it's really yeah. really scary like every every time wilford brimley runs that scenario and it's, it's it is it is that 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 is one effect that i guess doesn't age that doesn't age well right like that computer again a <laughs> right. strong alien strong alien vibes on yeah. that computer but uh it's every time he runs that at least scenario, it doesn't have man. the processing noise that, that mother does <laughs> yeah good point <laughs> but like every time he runs that scenario i'm like that's grand scheme of things total total time that that, that civilization that's, has that's existed nothing. that's not very long yeah <laughs> like no, not at all yeah not yeah, at it's all it's like ah. Oh. So I, I, yeah, I, and so, you know, we've, we've got two more weeks of, of looking at him and, and, you know, we're, we're, we're going to compare and we're going to say, but, but right now I, I, this, this is definitely my worst case apocalypse scenario. <laughs> so speaking of comparing and, and, and getting into it, the only thing that's left is to rate this thing. And so for just a reminder for anybody out there listening, when we look at a movie, we only rate it against itself. So while the apocalypse ability area that will proceed for the next three weeks, or if you were listening in December, the how Christmassy a movie is while that <laughs> section is going to carry over. And that's what we'll compare things when we're in rating, we're only looking at the movie itself. So we're only looking at the thing which is why for every movie, we like to create a unique rating system. We kicked around a couple of things, but I mean, when it's all said and done, we both agreed it was our favorite kill. And so with the uh, alliteration and all, Dave, I want to know out of a possible five chest chompers, what do you give the thing? If I don't gold star this and give it six out of five chest chompers, I'm not going to be able to sleep with myself tonight. Correct. Like I, I I I I will not sleep easy. Um, I'm I'm gonna go and I like I, I'm just, I'm getting flustered just thinking about not <laughs> giving it a six out of five. Uh, yeah. So it's it, it's got it's it's got to be the most perfect perfect of perfect uh, six out of five chest chompers for me for every fucking reason that we've talked about for the last hour and fourteen minutes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the the entire time I'm sitting there watching it, I'm like, I mean, this this part's the given. Right. This yeah. is absolutely this this movie this movie's a gold star with the bullet. This is this is just this is an untouchable movie. And, mm-hmm. and it it's one of those ones where there's 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 yeah, there there's this amazing idea of trust. There's this idea of societal breakdown. There's an alien invasion. There's amazing special effects. There's a great cast. There's a, a, a great setting. This was such a perfect place to have this in antarctica and to have a reason why this thing is just now getting around every little bit of this movie in true john carpenter style is so perfectly thought out and so just just amazingly made that there there was never any doubt like as soon as as soon as that super cheesy ufo flies by that flies by <laughs> at the very beginning of this movie before it even says the thing and then we get that cool effect where the thing just appears up on the screen I'm like oh yeah it's a gold star all right cool write it down yep. it, it's it was a done deal <laughs> this is one that that there was never any doubt what we were going to rate it i was just so hyped to watch it again and get to talk about it yeah. and, and and i hope that everybody listening has enjoyed us just being on this one because it is such an amazing movie. And it's, it's weird because 
I feel like we were a little all over the place on this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't think it has anything to do with the fact that, you know, we, we took uh, a couple of weeks off. I think it's just that when you love something so much, you keep remembering like, oh, wait, but this other thing. Oh, but also yeah. this other fucking thing. And then you're just going all over the place talking about how amazing this thing is. This is one of the most perfect things ever created things. I'm not talking movie, like just anything, <laughs> right? If, 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 if an alien were to come to our planet today and say, show me something, I'd say, sit on my couch, put it on the thing, and popcorn. And, right. and, and then the alien will be happy. And hopefully yes, not because popcorn, <laughs> also one of the most perfect things. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it really, uh, it do really you prefer is. buttered popcorn or kettle corn? Or does oh, it butter, depend on your butter? Mind? No, no, no. Okay. I, I will I will eat kettle corn if it's all that's available. But mm-hmm. yeah, at, if given the choice, five out of five times, salty, buttery. I want savory popcorn, not sweet. Okay. All right. Interesting. Now I will I will put the candy in the popcorn. Ah, right. Okay. I'll put so the you M&Ms like a sweet in. savory. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Put 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 the M and M's in there, and then just get the yeah. handfuls. So you got the butter, mm-hmm. the salt, and the chocolate in one bite. Yeah. But but even without that option, oh yeah, movie theater style popcorn for me all the time. What about you? Um, most times I will do that. I'll say three out of five times. Um, the other two times it's going to be kettle corn. Um, okay. And on occasion, the kettle corn will become caramel corn. See, and and I like I said that if I I, I will I will back it up and I will say I will say nine out of ten times because there is a movie theater here that actually has uh, like cheddar and caramel popcorn and mm, every once yeah. in a while but again cheddar's still a savory one but every I, once I in do a while, like cheddar cheddar I'll great. go and get I'll go and get the I'll go and get the mix or get one of those but mm-hmm. I, I'm usually I'm usually a butter and salt guy when it comes to my popcorn. that's all we carry here because I don't eat popcorn enough to merit buying popcorn Fair. um and and so we just buy what the wife wants and she is like staunch like this is a butter popcorn house movie theater style <laughs> popcorn house um I can show you the size of the box that we have here. <laughs> Chris, it's, Christmas it's, time. It's insane. Christmas time. I'll usually go through one of the tins, you know, the, the tri mm-hmm. tin. Yeah, it's yeah. got the butter, mm-hmm. the cheddar and, and the caramel. I'll usually go through one of those tins around Christmas time because it's, it's just a Christmassy thing. It's like that and Danish yeah. butter cookies. I only eat it in December. Oh, right. You know? <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for tuning in. We hope that you've enjoyed us just absolutely creaming ourselves over the thing. It's, <laughs> There's no math to be done here. This is a certified no. gold star shiver horror movie. Uh, the thing's incredible. We look forward to doing the Apocalypse Trilogy. I'm really excited about um, Prince of Darkness next week. Like I said, I've never seen that one. I have seen I'm, I'm excited Madness. for you. It's been a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you are interested in what we're doing, if you like it, do us two favors. One, follow us on all our social media. You can find us at ShiverPod. We're everywhere at ShiverPod. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. You can find us in all of those places. If you head to ShiverPod.com, you can find links to all of those things, as well as links to all of your favorite places to get your podcast. I did recently get word that um, there is a problem with our stream when it comes to Last FM. So we need to fix our RSS stream hmm. on that. So if you listen on Last okay. FM, we are working on that. Uh, but if you listen on any of those other places, you can find us on Spotify. If you like us and you listen to us on Spotify and iTunes, drop us that review. Help us move up that algorithm a little bit. We greatly appreciate that. Anything you can do to get the word out there, we want to be telling more people 
about how much we love the thing. But we appreciate each and every one of you guys that is listening. So make sure you head to shiverpod.com. Find all those links. Also, keep an eye on shiverpod.com for what for a new link that might be coming soon. I'm going to wait until I've got it fully uploaded and happening. To, but we do have one new thing in the works that we'll be dropping here soon. Very, very interesting. I also want to give a shout out to the Dads from the Crypt podcast. Um, we had Jason uh, from Dads from the Crypt on a couple months back, and um, uh, he was nice enough to invite us to be on to review an episode of uh, Guillermo del Toro's uh, Cabinet of Curiosities. Uh, so make sure you check that out and support them. Uh, we'll also be... On tomorrow, if you're watching live, and last week, if you're right. uh, listening, uh, on which podcast? It, it is it is a YouTube show called Off Meta, where they play YouTube, different games, and we are going to be gathering up uh, Dave and I and a bunch of people who have uh, special guests hosted with us in the past, and we are going to be learning to play a game called Blood on the Clock Tower, and uh, we are going to get out there, and we're just... Uh, none of us it is going to be all of our first times um i think he's recruiting a couple people that are uh that have played before but are good with uh what he called fresh meat uh to help <laughs> us through it so um if you check out off meta we'll either be um what well, we should be on tomorrow like i said if you're watching live or if you just if you're listening to this now you can head to their youtube channel um i believe it's off meta gaming and you can watch us <laughs> try our hand at blood on the clock tower I look forward to coming in last. Uh, so, <laughs> Dave on behalf first. of uh, all of us here at Shiver, write you very much. <laughs>